from the suburbs of the thriving metropolis that is Des Moines, Iowa. Welcome to Chatham Up! Each week, DCA brings an infotaining look at the recent happenings, along with stories, conversations with guests, and more. And now, here he is, David C. Anderson! Oh, that's me. Thank you, Billy Peck, for that introduction. Hi, everyone. I'm David. I'm the host of the show. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Thanks for stopping by. Make sure you are following us on social media across Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chatham Up Podcast. And as always, the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast audio from. And if for some reason it's not there, hit me up on social media. Tell me where it needs to be. I do want to thank everyone who left five-star ratings for the podcast last week. I greatly appreciate the support. And speaking of great appreciation, let me give a huge shout-out to friend of the show and friend in real life, Papa Bear Paul, for the nice review he left for Chatham Up. Those ratings and five-star reviews help immensely, so thank you to Papa Bear Paul. Papa Bear is the anchor of my new favorite podcast, The Card Foundation Podcast. If you are currently thinking about getting into the world of wrestling, trading card collecting, or you're already deep into it, you need the Card Foundation podcast in your life. And right now, let's hear a word about the Card Foundation podcast. What's up, everyone? This is Danny Tancredi. Johnny Tancredi. And Papa Bear. And we are the Card Foundation podcast. Are you looking for advice on what your wrestling card collection is worth? which rookie card to invest in, what to look out for when submitting cards to be graded, and this is the show for you. Each week we discuss the latest buzz within the wrestling card hobby. We also take a deep dive into a different wrestling card set, from 1985's OPG to 2020 Top's Finest and everything in between. New episodes drop every Thursday and are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to great podcasts like this one. Also make sure to follow us on Twitter. We are at CardFoundPod. And on Instagram at Card Foundation Pod to keep the conversation going all week long. So, when it comes to wrestling card podcasts, we are the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. All right, let's talk about the follow up from the debut episode last week featuring the conversation with my wife, Veronica Anderson. So many of you reached out and commented about how you enjoyed the episode. Several of you enjoyed hearing the humiliating situations I put myself in the first two times I had any interaction whatsoever with my wife. Thank you to everyone for all the kind words and the feedback. It's greatly appreciated, and thank you again to my beautiful wife, Veronica, for coming on the pod to share her story. In the What I'm Watching segment, well, actually this needs to be renamed to the What I'm Not Watching segment this week. So apparently, March Madness is in full swing. I'm not the biggest college basketball fan. I don't hate it. I don't dislike it. I just don't pay as close of attention to it as I do, say, Major League Baseball. I completely spaced the fact that the NCAA tournament started this past week. It wasn't until I began receiving notifications on my phone about potential upsets and bracket busters that I actually put two and two together that, oh, oh yeah, the, the tournament's actually underway. For those of you who are following the tournament, I hope some of you still have a bracket in decent shape after Ohio State decided to bust about 98% of the country's brackets. I do want to give a quick shout out to friend of the show and friend in real life, Nick Stapp, for starting a movement on Twitter. If you spent any amount of time at all on Twitter, you know that it can be a very toxic, unhealthy place. Ironically, Twitter is my favorite social media app, and I strive to live a toxic, drama, and stress-free life, so I guess I don't really know what that says about me. Anyway, Nick recently started a new subsection of Twitter called Hootie and the Blowfish Twitter. It's basically just tweeting about things and correlating them to something Hootie and the Blowfish related. For those who are unaware, Hootie and the Blowfish are in my top five favorite bands of all time. I mean, come on, I grew up in the 90s, how couldn't they be? So I was a day one-ish Hootie and the Blowfish Twitter fan. In celebration of Nick's accomplishment, let's listen to one of my favorite Hootie and the Blowfish tracks. This is from their 2019 album, Imperfect Circle. Here's Hold On.
heartbreak on the six o'clock news. They ought to call it the six o'clock blues. Seems like this whole world's going wrong. That ain't no kind of love song. We gotta hold on. We gotta hold on. There ain't nothing that a little love can't get us to. Hold On from the Imperfect Circle record, that 2019 Hootie album produced some pretty great tracks including Miss California, Turn It Up, Not Tonight, among many others. You can check out Imperfect Circle wherever you stream your favorite music. Guys, I am so excited to bring you our featured conversation this week. Johnny Clash is a man of many talents, stories, and a whole lot more. It was great to be able to sit down and talk about everything from discovering pro wrestling as a kid to his decision to become a professional wrestler himself, how he became a terrific podcaster, and of course, his ever-growing collection of the Icon Sting memorabilia. Right now, we're going to hear a word from Johnny Clash and his podcast partner George Feast about their great podcast, The Game Marks Podcast, and on the other side, my conversation with Johnny Clash. This is former Creative Pro Champion and CAP graduate Johnny Clash, and I'm here with George Feast, and we've got some questions for you. What's your favorite video game? How about your favorite console? Do you want to revisit the best and worst in video games? Then the Game Marks podcast is for you. Tell them, George. Each week, we do a deep dive into a different wrestling video game covering exclusive features, rosters, gameplay, and more. And at the end of every episode, we offer up our rating of Play It Forever or Future Endeavor. Plus, gaming rumors and breaking news. How do your favorite games hold up? Think you've played the best and worst of them all? No chance in hell. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you choose to listen. And connect on social media and Twitch at Game Marks Pod. The Game Marks Podcast. It's time to play the games. My guest this week is a professional wrestler, a podcaster, graphic designer, and dog dad. His hit podcast, The Game Marks Podcast, drops every Monday on the Major Pod Network and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. On Thursday, April 8th, 
You can see him compete as part of the Major Pod Network's FWF live pay-per-view extravaganza. Please say hello to my good, close, personal friend, Johnny Clash. Hey, Johnny. Kamish, what's up? How are you? Who loves you, baby? That's a nice uh, shirt you got there. Game marks. Yeah, definitely. Uh, tell everybody where they can get this shirt. For those that are listening on the audio and can't see because it's a podcast, where can they get this fine 8-bit Game Marks podcast shirt? Oh, prowrestlingtees.com slash Game Marks pod. It is a beautiful shirt. Don't tell George I said that. Uh, I'll just share a little story just to kind of get things kicked off. So I got involved with the Major Wrestling Figure podcast pretty early on. I got on their radar of course, being a crazy man and and ripping open green card Hasbro's on camera and and tweeting it out and basically got myself over and from there just kind of forged a, a a bit of a I, I wouldn't say friendship in the beginning but just uh, hey we know who this guy is he's crazy he does weird things we we kind of like him fast forward to when I had the opportunity to start helping with the major wrestling figure podcast. And the first time that I had the chance to come out to New York and participate in the second toy drive, I didn't make the first one, but the second one, the reason I'm going through all of this long winded conversation is when I got to create a pro for the toy drive, obviously this was pre COVID. So December of 2019, when we could still gather together and have wrestling shows and that toy drive was a wrestling show. And again, I don't really know anyone from the, the crew outside of Mark and Brian and Matt. And obviously this is a wrestling show and full of wrestlers. And I don't know who anybody is personally. I know who all of you are just from following online and following uh, social media and things like that. But the reason that I bring this up is you were the very first non-major wrestling figure podcast person to come up to me, say hello, make me feel welcome. And so from then on, I like that Johnny Clash fella. <laughs> well, maybe that's just because I like that David C. Anderson fella. And I, yeah, we, uh, we hung out after we got some wings. Yeah, I remember that pretty vividly. And then, of course, this year's Toy Drive. I'm, the, I'm just not used to seeing you from the nose down anymore. So this is nice to see you <laughs> from a distance. No, I'm, I'm fairly confident the mask only improves my appearance. So... Uh, apologies to those that do have to see me unmasked and my hair is like I I'm going through a thing Johnny but that's another we're all yeah, going through that's it. another conversation <laughs> for another day but I I took the long and winding road as the Beatles once sang to give some backstory as to why I wanted to have you on the podcast because again you're the first person that I formed a relationship with and a bond with outside of of the core group and now it's kind of come full circle because, and we'll talk about this, but now you're part of the inner circle, not that I am, but you are of the major pod network. And of course we'll get to that. But before we get to today, let's take a step back and let's go back in time and let's talk about a young Johnny Clash. So born and raised New York, talk about what it was like being little Johnny Clash growing up in New York. When did you discover pro wrestling? What are your first memories of pro wrestling? Basically, tell me how you found out about this wacky world that is professional wrestling. All right. So I remember it just being on as a kid. I remember it just being on. I don't remember who I saw exactly. I had a Stingaloo. That's all I know. And he was with a one of those dollar store like bootleg toys. So if I decided to, you know, take out the wrestling toys, I was playing with those at like a very young age. It was I must have been three or four. But then, like, of course, the big boom happened when DX was around NWO was around. And I gravitated more towards WCW, whereas like my cousins who were into wrestling gravitated towards like the Stone Cold and the Rock. I was more Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Um, and my first match, I actually remember sitting down. And watching, my grandparents were actually watching me, which is probably why I had control of the TV. And it was Alex Wright and Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho was the one that I just was enamored with. And it was Thunder, actually. So I started a little later in the game watching wrestling as like a full-time wrestling fan. And I was hooked from that. Obviously, Chris Jericho becoming my first favorite then because he was the first person I saw. You know, long blonde hair, he had the cool tights. I just gravitated towards him then 
Uh, it was really not till I would say the first SmackDown taping that I was like full on WWF, WWE. I was like, okay, I'm making the switch here. Like, this is really cool. Uh, I was just, you know, <laughs> I think a lot of people did the same thing around that time. But I was kind of flipping back and forth between both. But that's where I said, all right, WCW, I'm sorry, but uh, you're fired. So the Sting Galoob is actually kind of your gateway into professional wrestling. And you started out as a big WCW guy, obviously. And it makes sense. I mean, obviously Sting, the bright colors, the blonde hair. uh, He looks like a real life action figure. And so to have him in action figure form obviously makes sense. But I, I think it's very interesting. Chris Jericho and Alex Wright are almost responsible for you being in the business today. You know, one of the first things I also remember, this is like way before that, like probably I was five or six and wrestling just came on. And I don't I don't know what it was. I don't know who it was, but I remember seeing a fan in the crowd wearing face paint. And at the time, I'm thinking maybe it's Ultimate Warrior now that they were, you know, mocking his face paint. I was just thinking like, it's wrestling. Like, How do they even know who's coming out? Like this guy's wearing full character outfit of someone, but he doesn't even know this guy will be there tonight. I mean, now I understand a little bit more, but that was like one of my first thoughts. Like, I, I just don't get how this works. Like, how do you be a fan of this? For you, it was WCW. For me, it was at the time, the WWF. And it's just, it's something you know, people ask me and I'll, I'll ask you this. What, what was it about wrestling at the time that just it captured you and it captivated you and it mesmerized you when you found that Chris Jericho and Alex Wright match on TV I mean what was it about that that just you were hooked I guess kind of the same thing about basically when I was deciding like if I wanted to go to wrestling training or not it was kind of like I don't think I could do that how does someone do how does someone take a power slam how does someone do a swanton bomb like I just didn't it just didn't seem real like I just couldn't wrap my head around it so I think when, you know, you see two greased up tan guys fighting in their underwear, and you're like, what is this? And then you see the video packages, the big stage they come out of, the music, the pyros, and you're like, whoa, I, this is like, I'm, I'm used to watching my grandpa watch boxing. This is that times a million. Like, this is awesome. Of course, you know, you think it's, I mean, it is real. So <laughs> when you're watching at a, 12 years old 11 12 years old you're like oh my god this is great and not only that but like I think just the times then it, I was just surrounded by it like it was becoming really popular with more kids my age everyone in school had an NWO or a DX shirt and like I said my cousins too like every time you'd go over their houses they had a new action figure or a new video game that we were playing and that kind of also helped me just dive deeper into it and um, it wasn't until my birthday probably that year, someone gave me a gold dust and a crush action figure, a bone cruncher. So those were technically, other than my Galoob Sting, my first wrestling figures. And then eventually I got like the Scott Hall San Francisco Toy Makers and I had my own fed then. But I never got a ring probably for another year or two. So I built one with the base being Legos and connects being the ropes. And that's what I had to work with for a while. Oh, that's awesome. That's and that's good because that segues into my next question. So at the top, we talked about staying and and that galoob and knowing you the way that I do, I know that you have a very prominent staying collection, and we'll talk about that. Talk about some of those figures from back in the day. What were some of your favorites and what were some of the ones that you got? Maybe either you bought on your own or maybe you got as a gift and really just didn't live up to the hype. So I was, I think majority of mine are actually Titantrons because that was prime collecting for me. Um, Bone crunchers were cool. I just always felt like they were missing something. And I think most of them were like, I, you know, I didn't have a lot of doubles. So my edge figure became Chris Jericho. My, I had two undertakers. One was a signature series. I put the APA sticker from the chair in the back of him. He was now Bradshaw to go with my Farouk. Like I would kind of modify them that way. Um, I had three Bret Hart's for some reason, because like when KB went out of business, I bought all of the the WCW with the builder rings. And, you know, Bret became my cameraman. He became my commentator. He became a wrestler at the same time. Uh, those like the Toy Biz WCWs, I think, were actually my favorite growing up because they just looked cool. Like they were airbrushed. Like you could see their muscles. They uh, were very colorful. I had Scott Steiner. I had some people I'm not going to name. 
And it was cool mixing like the worlds together of the Bone Crunchers and the Toy Biz. And then actually San Francisco Toy Makers, I think I only had Scott Hall and then the vibrating Kevin Ash, who became my Paul White. <laughs> and um, yeah, so the Titantrons were really like my prime playing and collecting. And even though like I feel like my whole wrestling career as a child in toys I was just mad at the t- <laughs> I was mad at the figures it was brought up on the major pod a couple of weeks ago how the rock had the jersey in one of the titan drones I think it was WTF figure of the week I had that I had the undertaker I had that whole line of just guys in these stupid baseball jerseys that looked awful but like that was the triple h I had and the chip on the bottom of that triple h when you pressed it to the titan tron would play Vince McMahon's music, not the DX music. And that also just made me really bad. So I don't know. I think it was not until the first hurricane figure came out where I just, I hunted this thing unbelievably. Like it wasn't anywhere. It was sold out target Toys R Us. And I finally pre-ordered it at a hobby shop in Farmingdale by my house. And that's where I got it. But that was kind of like, Towards the end, I don't think I really used it much. It was just more, this is a pretty figure. I'm going to look at it. So I guess kind of the start of me collecting the figures, not so much playing them because I was a little bit older. And then I remember getting a Rob Van Dam that I just really wanted. It might have been his first. I'm not sure. And it just stayed in the package for maybe five or six years before I just ripped it open one day and said, oh, this is cool and threw it back in the bin. And same thing. I've got a few like for my birthday like years later and it just wasn't the same like when you don't play with them and I the TNA toy biz came out the marvels and I was like oh, these are really cool I'm a big TNA fan but I just couldn't do it like I just didn't want to buy figures just to buy figures when I was that old but here we are now and uh, <laughs> I'm running out of space in my apartment so so let's talk about the sting collection I've, I've kind of built this up and I've enjoyed as I've gotten to know you and and talk about figure collecting obviously Anytime I'm I'm out looking for things, and if I find something vintage sting, you're always the the person that's getting the the message. Hey, do you have this? Do you need this? So when I talk about the sting collection, so you obviously you collect other figures and other things. Uh, we've discussed starting lineups, things like that. But talk a little bit about the sting collection because you know Sting's been a, a superstar in the business for thirty plus years. Has a lot of merchandise, not necessarily as much as you know, Hogan or Stone Cold or The Rock, maybe just in terms of the sheer amount of figures. But for someone who spent the majority of his career in WCW, then went to TNA, then went to WWE, now in AEW, you know, I'm sure Jeremy Penauer and and Jazzwares are going to merchandise the you-know-what out of Sting, which is great. But, But talk about, I mean, just walk us through this extensive Sting collection that you have. So unfortunately, I can't display it right now because I am in a very small apartment and there's just literally no room to display anything other than this desk I'm sitting at, which I only have the Funko mini. I'm not even sure what it's called, the mini sting sitting here. And um, I I feel like I owe it mostly to the major pod for starting this collection. It started with obviously that one galoob and then the toy biz from when I was growing up. It was just, uh, I believe, Smash and Slam. I had the red and black sting and once Brian said this before like back then it was like oh you collect wrestling figures like that's weird so I never did once it like kind of hit that like hey this is okay like it's it's okay to show that you're like a wrestling fan that's when I started like really zoning in like I the last time I ever went to Toys R Us around here there was a Finn Balor figure in Elite and I grabbed it because you know, I'm like, screw it. It's on sale, obviously, because Toys R Us is going out of business. And I'm just giving into this figure collection that I've wanted for so long. And obviously, Finn's just great. And it's an awesome figure. So there's certain ones like sentimentally, I won't replace. And that's one of them. And like the Galoob is one of them. So no matter how big my collection grows, I'm not going to replace that Sting Galoob because it was my first figure. And like, I received it. I didn't buy it. I started with the Mattels because it was just easy they were out at the time i was getting some of them when they were released uh, i told my parents like hey if you see a sting in the store like <laughs> let me know and they actually grabbed me like a network spotlight sting and i was like oh cool okay um so they kind of fed into it as well but i mean looking back now um my god this 
I have boxes and boxes at my house of just sting stuff. The Mattels are done. I completed every single sting Mattel. It was, I was fortunate enough that a lot of them did come out where I was able to just buy them off ringside or see them in the store. I actually went to Canada. I was in Toronto and the red, white, and blue sting was just coming out there. And this was only like a year ago. So I thought that was pretty funny, but the Mattels are just beautiful. And from there I said, okay, what else can I do here? So obviously, as you know, because you've sent me some, I went to the original San Francisco toy makers, um, the LG, LJN style, like rubber ones. I've, I think I only need one or two more. And as far as like the toy biz go, I'm kind of holding off on some of them because some of them are just, you know, Sting's wearing like a silver plate. It's like, why do I want this right now? Like the price is guaranteed to go down. Also, I'm a loose collector. I'm not going to keep these in the box unless they're autographed or it's a really cool box. So I don't mind buying these loose. And then I went over to the TNA Impact section and this kind of sparked, I guess, another collection because the Sting Impacts are just beautiful. I think they're honestly his best figures. The ringside one, I just got the Joker Sting exclusive. I paid a pretty penny for it, but it's autographed. The box is mint. It's going to be a centerpiece of my collection one day. But from there, like I realized the deluxe impacts are actually really fairly priced in the secondary market right now. And I could get like an autographed whoever for 40, 50 bucks. So I started buying like Jeff Hardy, uh, Matt Morgan. I don't need a Matt Morgan, but I bought it because it's autographed and it looks cool. Um, Dixie Carter. She's got the cool box. So I bought her as autographed. Like, do I need that? No, but I bought it. So from there, some starting the Sting collection, it kind of sparked other collections. And I do have a list of every Sting figure to my knowledge. And as much as I have, it's only a little over half, which is crazy. Plus whatever is going to come out. Plus the Funkos. Plus. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I don't do the Funkos. I'm not a Funko guy. I have a couple, but I don't seek them out. I, I tend to stick to the real action figures i mean they're figures but i'm talking about figures with articulation things like that so that's that's crazy so obviously big sting collector question have you have you ever met sting like at a meet and greet or a comic con anything like that i've seen him wrestle many times i've seen him in impact i've seen him at this small tna show around here where he was five feet in front of me i saw him backstage at wrestlemania when i was an extra I've never said a word to the guy. I've never actually met the guy. And it kills me because not only do I collect his figures, I collect his memorabilia. So I have an autographed bat. My friend went to Comic-Con. He bought me an autographed like a 11 by 17 poster. Like it's really cool. It's an illustration signed by him and the artist. I'm like, so you met Sting? He's like, yeah, but I got you this gift. I'm like, but you met him and I didn't meet him. So he's just one of those guys. I've, I don't know. I've just somehow dodged him forever well as we're starting to come out of this COVID era or whatever we're calling it and once the the comic cons can start to come around safely again obviously sting now back in the fold with AEW and, and back in a prominent spot I'm fairly confident that maybe not necessarily 2021 but maybe into 2022 I firmly believe that Johnny Clash will finally get his fanboy moment to meet the icon sting and uh, I, I can't wait to see the, the pictures and, and the documentation from that. That was another thing, kind of like uh, the figures, how you're kind of embarrassed by it. Like it was always like, oh, you're a wrestler. You can't go to these conventions. You can't go to a wrestler's meet and greet. So I just kind of never have. And it's kind of still like a, a thin line. But if it's like him, I think I kind of have to go. And I actually have this world heavyweight championship belt signed by ricky steamboat terry funk christian's on it a bunch of guys are on it and i'm still deciding if i would put him on that or if i would just buy like a brand new one and kind of get him to sign that one that's the decision you have to make as a collector and you know maybe both who knows so we wrap up the the collecting conversation now i want to transition and let's talk about you becoming a professional wrestler so you you mentioned you touched on that a little bit ago so growing up, discovering wrestling, loving wrestling, you know, 
ask yourself the question, well, how do you take a power slam? How, how do you do this? At what point? So give me, give me the year. How old are you? When do you make the decision that I, I want to be a wrestler? I, I want to try to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I go about it. So walk me through that process. Yeah. So that was kind of uh, the thought process. Like, how do I do this? What do I want to do? Um, I actually found not too long ago, some emails in my sent box from like 2010, like I was still in college and uh, sending them to some schools around here and just asking like, Hey, how do, how do I do this? And getting the price back and me working like part-time at an ice cream shop back then, like there was no way I could have swung the price. There was no way my parents would have funded that. So I kind of just put it on the back burner, just kind of started loving wrestling even more. And then it wasn't until WrestleMania 29 at MetLife Stadium where, you know, you're just surrounded by wrestling. You're surrounded by the buzz of it. You know, I had the pass with um, where I went to Access. I went to NXT, which was at Access at the time. And it was just like, I don't know, it's being able to see like the rookies at the time put on such a good show in NXT it just drew me in and I was with my friend from Canada and we only met a couple times. He was an online friend, but like he was my only like big wrestling friend at the time. And he came down for this trip. It was super awkward at first. We were like literally best friends right now. And I have to credit him for always being the one to just tell me to do it. And it wasn't long after WrestleMania, I signed up for a school in New York city it was a long commute. I wasn't actually able to get there as much as I could. I started a little later too. I was 25. So I did have like the full-time job where I couldn't go really to the city right after work. And I was, it was like Saturday mornings. I would go hour or two. I wasn't like retaining much because it was like a week to week thing. And if something comes up on a Saturday, now you're missing two weeks. So I loved it, but I couldn't say I was like serious about it because I just couldn't get serious about it. So it wasn't until I create a pro opened, I saw the post from Brian Myers and I was like, this is literally five minutes from my house and next to my job. So it, I kind of had no other choice, but to do it. So I went to that first open house. I still remember the match. It was Anthony Bowens, who is now on AEW versus the lifeguard. Alex Reynolds was the referee. And I, Pat Buck was standing up there and he's like, these guys have only been training a year or two. And I was like, okay, this is it. I could get here two, three times a week. And the rest is history. They say <laughs> um, now 2021, I've been there a couple of years since me and Max Caster were the fir very first graduates, the very first people to sign up. I wish outside of cap I've done more, but at the same time within cap, I feel like I've done a lot and, like, I really want this school to, like, blow up and grow, which it is now. And you see on TV, everyone's coming from Creative Pro. Um, I've been a trainer there. I've been a trainee there. I still am a trainee there. Like, I think if you're serious about wrestling, that's the place to go, and it speaks for itself. So you talked about you kind of were one foot in, one foot out, just with the, the commute and the work schedules. You didn't really get a whole lot out of it because you couldn't really put a whole lot into it until... Brian and Pat decided to open Create a Pro out there on Long Island. Before you had signed up for Create a Pro, this other school that you were at and training, I mean, did you did you get any formal training? Like did you did you have an actual match before your Create a Pro training or is your career really post Create a Pro training? So I was only in a battle royal at that other school, which ironically was won by Kevin Steen. <laughs> so um... I was eliminated first and like all the, the cool guys came in way later. So I could still say I was in the match, but no, I was, I was not that cool. And later in the show, actually, I got a, there's actually a cool screenshot of Adam Cole punching me. So I'll treasure that one forever, but I didn't have an official match. I didn't know how to have a match. I just knew I could punch, kick, do some moves and go over the top rope. And that was it. But my time there, I actually did book I was booked in a match for a charity show in Massachusetts and I was not ready for it. And once I came to cap, I was a few months in, I remember going up to Pat Buck, like, Hey, what do you think I should do? Should I pull off the show? I'm not ready. And he was kind of the one that was like, I mean, you've been here 
at three, four months right now, literally just do what we taught you, do what you know, keep it short. Um, don't pull off on a promoter, especially this charity show that kind of had some buzz. And um, unfortunately, when I got there, I was stuck with an opponent who's no longer wrestling. And I didn't know he was kind of like, I, he, had a, he had like a really bad attitude. And he kind of vetted me a lot. And I didn't know what was right or wrong at that point. And the match was horrible. So, but you'll appreciate this. I, it was in Boston. I came out in a uh, Mark Teixeira jersey. <laughs> so, <laughs> instant heat. Instant heat. I knew how to do that. Instant heat. But to go back to your question, um, yeah, Creator Pro was pretty much my start. Okay, perfect. So that leads into my next question. So talk about walking into the warehouse there at Creator Pro. Again, young guy, big dreams, big aspirations. You get in the ring, you're training with Pat or Brian or whomever, and they tell you to take that first bump. For for those listening who know about wrestling, but have maybe never wrestled, never taken a bump, obviously a bump is a fall. So when you either get slammed or you know, fall to the mat on your own. The first time that you got in the ring and we're taking flat back bumps, what do you remember as, well, I think this is what it's going to be. And then you get in the ring and you do it. Was it what you expected or was it completely a different situation and a different experience than what you thought you were getting yourself into? Um, obviously the first bump always sucks. Um, <laughs> I was able to do that at the first school I was at a few times, but not know really, you're going to take a clothesline. How do I bump off this? I didn't, I didn't know how to do any of that. So I was lucky enough to go into this wrestling training at this new school, create a pro with some sort of background, how to do some stuff. Um, the cool part was seeing guys like Max Caster and a few others like catch up to me pretty quickly because I'm not saying I was light years ahead by any means, but I had that like short background that, most of the guys didn't have and it speaks to Brian and Pat and at the time Alex Reynolds training of us to see how quickly guys grab a hold of it and can get really good um, but the first bump will always suck hitting the ropes will always suck um, creator pro is lucky to have one of the best rings and it's very well kept very well put together and we maintain it properly um, so yeah I mean it sucks but you eventually just brush it off and buy some icy hot. <laughs> so one of the terms that gets thrown around a lot of times is wrestling dads. So these are guys or, you know, gal wrestling moms, if you're trained by some of the great female talent out there, but you are in the unique position that you have some of the very best men that you can call wrestling dad. You look at Pat Buck, you look at Brian Myers. I mean, two of the most influential trainers, wrestlers on the scene of the last 15 years. Coming from that background and coming from Creator Pro, when I go to help out, whether it's for the, the toy drive or whatever that the major wrestling figure podcast has going on, you walk in the warehouse at Creator Pro and Brian has banners up on the wall of graduates, champions, guys that have really made it in the business. And every time I'm there, I look up and I see that banner of Johnny Clash wearing the Creator Pro Championship. Tell me, in your words, what does it mean to be a cap guy? What does it mean to you that when you walk into the warehouse, you see that banner? And tell me what it means to you to have the respect from Pat and from Brian. They've put into you, they believe in you, and then you've taken the fundamentals that they've given you and you've put them into play and you've put them into practice. And obviously you've seen the success. So a lot of questions there, but walk me through each one. Yeah. Wait, hang on. I have to remember all this. I took too many bumps. Um, so the banner thing, <laughs> that's kind of one of those things where you see it growing up, you see it in tough enough, you see it in, I don't know, just random behind the scenes wrestling stuff of just banners on the wall. And it's something you kind of always dream of in a way, like it's something so small, but, it's one of those things when I'm sitting there, like putting my knee pads on for practice, like I look up and I'm just, I'm up there. Like I'm the first one up there. Um, it doesn't, you know, I, I did make the banners. But, um, I was still chosen to be, to be on the banners. And it's just, it's 
honorable. And I mean, within the first two years of the school, Max Caster was the first champion. There was some back and forth here and there, smart Mark Sterling. And then I was able to also have a long run with that championship. And I feel like, like I held the school's championship as if it was like the WWE championship. And I feel like no matter where you go, you should do that. You should put it that high of a pedestal and other people will see it that way. And there's no reason it shouldn't be. But um, I think, well, first of all, Brian was always the wrestling dad. I'm sorry. Pat was always the wrestling dad. Brian was the wrestling mom. <laughs> That's how we always referred to them. Because if there was something, something that happened in practice where Pat was pissed, uh, the next day we'd walk in, expect to see him again. And Brian would be there like, hey, I saved you guys. I decided to come in instead and spare you all like a, a scolding. So we always referred to him as mom and Pat as dad. So <laughs> I had to clarify that first. So you talk about the banner, you know, you talk about this knowledge that they've imparted into you. And, and again, independent wrestling, very different on the East coast than it is, you know, say here in the Midwest or, or other places. But before I knew you, uh, when I, when I knew who Johnny clash was, Oh, he's a creative pro guy. He's a, he's a Pat Buck guy. He's a Brian Myers guy. So last question to wrap up that is what does it mean to you to be a, a cap guy, to be a creative pro guy, how do you wear that badge of, of honor? Exactly what it is. It's a badge of honor. Everyone knows creative pro is the real deal um, from the beginning. I mean, we've always had the success. Um, you could seeing it grow firsthand, like before your eyes as the first person to walk into that place is mind blowing. Um, it's literally a stamp on your back with like a big check mark saying you're a creative pro guy. If you're a graduate, if you've made it, you should be trusted anywhere. And that's kind of their thing. Like this isn't going to be one of those gyms where someone's going to come in, pay month to month to just sit there or goof off or not retain stuff. Like we're here to wrestle. We're here to show how we can have a good professional wrestling match, whether it's on TV or whether it's in the independence. And fortunately enough, we've been able to showcase that worldwide. Obviously being in the Northeast, wrestling scene pre-COVID, you know, one of the hottest, if not the hottest in the country. Who are some of the, the best talent that you, you've either been in the ring with, you've been on shows with? Who are some guys and gals wrestling fans need to keep an eye on? Maybe it's someone still on the independent scene. Maybe it's someone who's currently on television every week. But from Johnny Clash's perspective, if you could buy stock in a wrestler, who are a couple, two or three wrestlers that if you were buying stock, you'd buy stock in, in these individuals? See, now that's hard to say because companies did buy stock in them. But I'm going to first put over Aaron Rourke from Creator Pro, obviously. Um, from the second he walked in, he was you just knew he was going to be something. You could tell right away when someone hits the ropes or takes a bump, like, okay, this guy could at least... He's teachable. Um, he took it above and beyond. He worked on his character. He worked on his promos. He put money into the production of his promos, and it speaks volumes even in his match. Um, he's slated to be one of the best on the independents in the next, I would say, year or two to come. And I'm going to put Bobby Orlando, the weirdo from the Shook Crew, in the same boat because I was – with Max Caster teaching the Sunday classes when he walked in for the first day. Now, when someone comes in, I've said this on so many podcasts, but I'm going to say it again. When someone comes in and they're tweet tweeting you like direct messaging you, like when's class, like how much you're kind of like, this guy's never going to show up. So he shows up, he posts the picture of creative pro, like I'm here day one. And you're like, okay, this guy's not going to last for day two. Um, he surprised us. He is still there now. He's a graduate. He, he took his character and ran with it same with his promos he's a video editor himself so he's able to do these awesome promos he got really really good at wrestling and now he's traveling everywhere and i feel like there's a spot for everyone like that whether high up in the independence or on tv so if you're going to look out for anyone look out for bobby i'll put bryce over two of the shook crew and uh aaron work for sure Last thing, when it comes to wrestling, you touched on this, and I actually wanted to talk about this. You mentioned when you were backstage as an extra for WrestleMania. So 
for those listening who may or may not be hip to the scene in pro wrestling, professional wrestling is a television show, just like anything else. And on television shows, they have what are called extras. And yes, on television, professional wrestling shows, they have extras. So talk to me a little bit about your experiences being an extra talent for WWE. You talked about being an extra at WrestleMania, the biggest wrestling event of the year. Johnny Clash is an extra at WrestleMania. Walk us through that process of how does someone get to be an extra? What does it mean to be an extra? And then talk about some of your experiences there at television and obviously being an extra at the biggest event every year, WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, it's you kind of have to pinch yourself like I'm actually here and I'm able to to do some stuff for a company I grew up watching. Um, you kind of just get that email one day like, hey, you've been selected. Please reply if you can do it and you have to get your your medical done and your blood work and send it back. And the whole day is kind of like a whirlwind and you kind of really appreciate very much what goes into pulling off a professional wrestling show. And um, WrestleMania itself was absolutely insane. Um, I wrestled at WrestlePro that Wednesday before WrestleMania and I actually pulled my hamstring. So not even pulled. It was pretty much torn. I couldn't walk. Um, I think that was the scariest part about the entire week because it was, you know, the NXT entrance I had to be a part of where I had to hold someone and I didn't know if my leg would give out. It's kind of just scary. Batista's pyro is going to go off while I'm on the stage looking down at the 20 foot drop. Am I going to go flying off the stage? Cause I can't walk right now. Bobby Orlando actually tripped. If you go back and watch that entrance, it's hilarious, but, um, it's just a million things going through your head when you're there, but you have to take it as a learning experience and, you know, you just kind of have to watch, you have to listen, you have to not annoy anyone. You have to, if someone offers you advice, you have to take it and you have to really listen what's happening. One step further. So when you're an extra, so when you're selected to be an extra, what does that mean? What, what does that mean? Are you, are you security? Are you a medical person are you a wrestler are you hanging out in the locker room what does it mean to be an extra on a professional wrestling television show um it could mean any of those or it could mean absolutely nothing um i've been there sometimes where you just take it in you just use it as a learning experience where and i've been there times where i spend five hours running a segment back for tv so it's hit or miss most of the times I've been either medical or security. I think it's a lot of fun, but expect a long day. <laughs> like I said, makes you really appreciate what they put into running a TV show. Let's talk about podcasting, what we're doing right now. Obviously, you are into podcasting. You're very good at podcasting. How did you get into it? Did you seek it out? Did you fall into it? How did you how'd you get into podcasting? So actually years ago, there used to be this website where you're able to just do like live streams through audio. And me and my friend would just mess around with that kind of 10 years ago or so. And that kind of went away. That whole site shut down, you know, 10, 10 of our friends would just listen. We'd sit there, eat Taco Bell and talk about whatever happened in sports that day or something. Um, but then like, I think it was the Conrad podcast that kind of pulled me back into like, Oh, this is really cool. I could listen to, these guys talk about wrestling all day, like the Bruce Pritchard, the Tony Schiavone podcast. Then I was like, what other sport has podcasts? I started listening to Spit and Chicklets, the hockey podcast religiously. Um, office ladies, like I'm all over the board. And then like you have your friends like Brian and Mark and now Matt, they start this awesome podcast about action figures. Of course, I'm going to listen. And obviously there was off the hop rope even before that. So I actually attended audio engineering school for a year in college. It was only a year program. It was kind of a certificate rather than a degree. So I was able to get something under my belt with uh, audio. And now, like now that we're podcasting, I kind of can apply, finally apply some of that stuff in the real world. And, you know, it's still a learning experience. Uh, we've had our flubs. We've definitely had our uh, deleted episodes that we have to redo. You know, you're going through some, it's not just you anymore. It's me and a partner. And as we've mentioned, George Feast, I think I selected uh, a pretty good one. Walk me through 
the concept of the Game Marks podcast. How did this come to be? How did you get partnered up with George? Did you know George before the podcast? Walk me through the origin story of the Game Marks podcast. So me and George knew of each other. We weren't friends. We, he was a friend of Smart Mark. And I obviously a friend of Smart Mark. So when there would be parties or like bar get togethers, UFC fights, whatever, we were always there together. Hey, hi, how are you doing? That was kind of it. Um, I knew of him as Mark's other designer friend because I made the off the hop rope logo. And then suddenly they had a new one. I'm like, Mark, who made this? What the hell? And then Mark had a new logo. I'm like, Mark, what the hell? You have a new T-shirt? Who made this? Was, oh, my friend George. So he became a, my friend George. Everyone knew my friend George. We would kind of make fun of him because of that. But then one day it just became kind of like a, a Twitter thread of just us back and forthing each other as a joke. Like, oh, you're the Marty or the Janetti. We're the graphic design tag team, blah, blah, blah. We should start our own podcast. And then he just messaged me on the side like, hey, should we start our own podcast? <laughs> and we we're like, well, what can we talk about? And he literally sent me a list of stuff and i was like video games and wrestling is really cool and we figured like we've both played majority if not all of at least the wwe and wcw games growing up and now so why can't we do this and we kind of got our wheels turning a little bit you could hear how bad our first few episodes are until we upgrade things kind of get a feel for like what we were actually doing and we never said we were video game experts we still don't say that we are people who enjoy video games and we could take off the nostalgia goggles and we decide if a game is good still or if a game is bad and then we never want to play them again so the whole concept was play it forever or future endeavor and we stuck with that you've been doing game marks now for over a year year and a half but it's a great podcast i listen to it every week you've taken that success and then you've parlayed that into taking the game marks podcast to the next level by joining the newly formed Major Pod Network, you are one of the inaugural premier flagship shows on this brand new audio network, which was formed by the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. Without giving away any proprietary or trade secrets, tell me how that came to be with you and George taking Game Marks Podcast and, and bringing it over to the Major Pod Network. So it's actually a funny story because George is such, I, I don't know how to say it. When he zones in on something, he gets it. Like all of our all of our sponsors have been from George. I can yell at him till the cows come home about whatever, blah, 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 blah. George, I need your audio. George, I need this. I need this. I need this graphic. And he's like, ah, all over the place. But when it comes to getting that stuff done, it's done and it somehow always works. He's like a magician. So before the network was even a thing, he actually made this like slide presentation and he showed it to me of a theoretical podcast network involving us off the hop rope in the major pod. I was pretty skeptical about it. I was kind of like, don't show him, don't show anyone that. And then it became a thing. Like they were kind of talking about this major pod network and George is like, well, I kind of already invented that. And he sends Mark the slideshow that he created. Mark now sends this to Matt. Matt's so blown away by this slideshow here we are. <laughs> We're on the major pod network. And like Brian said on a previous episode, video games and toys kind of go hand in hand. So it was a no brainer. And I, I love these origin stories where an idea, a German idea just kind of manifests and here we are and you're off and running and it's great. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of George, speaking of the Game Marks podcast. So I mentioned during the intro, you're going to be competing at FWF Live, which is on streaming pay-per-view. Thursday, April 8th, you, professional wrestler Johnny <laughs> Clash, are teaming up with your podcast partner, George Feast. You're actually going to be taking on another major pod network podcast team from the Off the Hop Road podcast, the team of Top Shelf Troy Nelson, Nick Stapp. Here's the issue, Johnny. Nick and Troy, they are trained wrestlers, just as you are. Uh, Troy, we could, we could say, eh. Okay, okay. Well, George is a civilian. He is not a trained professional wrestler. Now, last week, I saw that the Game Marks podcast <laughs> released the first Road to FWF Live video on social media where you attempted to give George an introduction into what it takes to become a professional wrestler. I loved it. I thought it was great. 
for those who maybe didn't see it, walk us through how the first session went with George, let folks know where they can find this video, and please tell me that we have additional episodes to come leading up to Thursday, April 8th, FWF Live. So George's training was a little, uh, how do you say, uh, train wreck? Uh, Two left feet? I don't know. Um, I said when you see someone hit the ropes earlier or take a bump, you you know if they they have it or not. Uh, George was losing to a dummy, so we're not really sure how this match is going to go. Hopefully, Troy Nelson is two sheets to the wind and we could just count him out. Nick Stapp's our good friend. We consider him our unofficial third host of the show. So it will be kind of a fun competition with him. But Troy's been talking a lot of smack. But on YouTube and on all of our social media at Game Marks Pod, you could check out these training videos and there just might be more coming. So, Ooh, la, la. well, definitely want to check that out. Again, FWF Live, which is a full wrestling show. This is not. Uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about what FWF Live is. Of course, this is from our friends at the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast as part of the Major Pod Network. FWF Live will be a real live wrestling show. And on this real live wrestling show that is available for purchase on Thursday, April 8th, you and your civilian tag team partner, George Feast, will be <laughs> in a real professional wrestling match with the off the hop rope podcast. So again, make sure you check out the major wrestling figure podcast and the major pod network, social media channels to get all of the information as to how you can be part of FWF live. That's right. In preparation for our conversation here today, I went to the major wrestling figure podcast, Facebook exclusive Patreon group. And I asked for some questions. I said, what do you want to know from Johnny clash? We got some good questions here. So are you ready? All right, let's do it. Owen Anderson asks, what is the very first wrestling game that you remember playing? Um, So like I said, with my cousins, we would play games and we definitely beat the hell out of Super WrestleMania. That was our game. That was all we played when we would go over there. We absolutely loved. We thought Earthquake was hilarious because we didn't know really who he was at the time. So we would always pick him. And that was really that until I was actually a wrestling fan and I got a demo for Warzone with my first PlayStation. Kyle Peterson says, Virtual Pro Wrestling 2 and SmackDown Here Comes the Pain are his two favorite wrestling video games. Do you feel that either of those games have been topped? And if so, by which games? No. I mean, I honestly think Here Comes the Pain is top of the top of the top and it's got to be number one for everyone obviously look behind me everyone's gonna say oh revenge is the best no mercy is the best Uh, they're the nostalgia goggles you know they're not the best they're they're really good they were the best then but here comes the pain just broke the barriers it had everything you ever wanted in a wrestling game and it played like those old smackdown games mixed with some new features it was probably the last game before everything just got too complicated too realistic and it was no longer like that much more fun ron scott asks a very topical question so if you are a member of the major wrestling figure podcast patreon group and you're in the facebook group what i'm about to ask johnny clash is a very topical question johnny clash what are your thoughts on wrestling or video games in general being graded? Should games be for playing or should they be put up on a display to look at? So if I like what Smart Mark's doing where he's getting the game and then he's putting the figures of who's on the cover kind of in front of it, uh, I think that's really cool. I think they do display well. I just, I, my gripe with grading goes back to my childhood Derek Jeter autograph card that's been in one of those awful screw tops in its entire existence and i'm afraid to open it i'm afraid to get it graded because to me that card's a 10 out of 10 but when i get it graded it's probably not going to be so if you want to do that sure Uh, it's not for me i'm not really that into it i would rather get like a card graded something maybe i'll buy it that way but uh, i don't know i'm i'm not too into the video game grading myself so sidebar, side question, we talk about grading. Have you jumped in on this card grading craze? Have you have you submitted anything through Papa Bear to PSA to be graded yet? 
I messaged him about a few. I have the Derek Jeter when he got his monument in Monument Park, him standing next to it. I bought like five of them at the time thinking they'd skyrocket. They haven't yet. <laughs> um, so no, I don't think so. I did just buy a Uriah Faber autograph on eBay, his card. That's my favorite fighter. Figured I needed it. It was fairly cheap. Um, that kind of got me down a wormhole of other UFC fighters cards. Like DC is kind of cheap. But then you jump up to like Conor McGregor's like 15 grand. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll stick with the, I'll stick with the lesser, <laughs> you know, once DC goes into the hall of fame or something, maybe that one will skyrocket, but uh, no, I, I, I'm not into the grading. I'm just not into it. And finally, Bill Corcoran asks, how much do you wish that he was more tech savvy so that he could replace George fees on the game marks podcast? I think George had a good response to this, but Bill needs to, learn how to turn his camera on and get into boozing with the toys before he could learn how to podcast. <laughs> no lies detected. So wraps up all of the questions that were submitted. So thank you to everyone in the major wrestling figure podcast, Facebook group that submitted your questions. I do appreciate it. I believe our time here this week with Johnny clash is coming to an end again. I was very excited to get to have the opportunity to sit down and talk to you. Uh, again, from a, a personal standpoint, you were you know, the first guy to kind of befriend me outside of, of the main group and help me get assimilated and, and introduced to everyone else. So that's something that's always stuck with me. So I appreciate that very much. But uh, as we start to wind it up here, Johnny, let everyone know how they can follow you on social media, how they can follow the Game Marks podcast, where and when the podcast drops. Give them all the details. All right. You can follow me personally at jclash21 on Instagram and Twitter. The Game Marks are at Game Marks Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And YouTube is Game Marks Podcast. We also have a Twitch channel, which is also Game Marks Pod. Now we drop every Monday where we play a different game. This week coming up, depending when you listen to this, is probably the Bret Hart Retrospect episode. And that is one I have looked forward to since we announced that we were trying to get it going. Uh, every... Wednesday night, George will stream on Twitch. I'll jump in sporadically and play some games here and there. Every Thursday on our YouTube channel is GMP64, where I have half the roster of No Mercy. George has half the roster of No Mercy, and we go head-to-head and compete for the belts. So that's pretty much it. Other than that, ProWrestlingTees.com slash GameMarksPod. I have to say that I have started checking out the, the Wednesday night stream with George. Highly entertaining. I definitely recommend anyone... I, I'm, I'm so new to this Twitch thing. I mean, I, I know what Twitch is, but haven't used it a lot. Haven't really gone on and, and watched a lot of people as they're streaming. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. I, I do a lot with, um, with Dylan Postel. Um, shout out to our, our guy Swoggle um, in terms of, of helping support his channel and watching him start to, to jump into Twitch. And now obviously jumping in on Wednesday nights and, and watching George do his stream. Twitch is a lot of fun. So if you're someone who doesn't really know what Twitch is, just go to twitch.tv. You don't even have to sign up for an account. You can, if you want to, it's free. Uh, but I would definitely recommend just getting in there, checking out what, what Johnny and George are doing with the game marks podcast. The guys over at the major wrestling figure podcast are starting to expand to Twitch Again, our friend Dylan Postle is on Twitch. There's there's so much more than just video games. That's really where it started. It started as a, a channel and a, a platform for people to stream playing video games, but it's it's grown and it that's still the, the main component, but it's it's grown and expanded to to so many different things. And I'm I'm a newbie to Twitch, but I enjoy it. And so I would definitely recommend that everyone who's listening definitely get on Twitch and show some love and support uh, for everyone that we've mentioned here. Johnny, again, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed the conversation and uh, I can't wait until I get to see you again in person here just uh, in a few weeks. Again, Thursday, April 8th, FWF Live. Johnny Clash, George Feast, the Game Marks podcast in a real wrestling match, taking on the Off the Hop Road podcast team of Nick Stapp. Oh, boy. Bring a singlet in case George can't go. No, 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 no. I know George is <laughs> you're you're in a much better position having George as your partner than me. But again, 
Check out the major wrestling figure podcast, the major pod network, social media channels as to how you can order and be part of FWF live. Johnny, always a pleasure. I appreciate it. And I will see you soon. Game over marks. Always great when you can have a chance to sit down reconnect and shoot the shiz with someone that you respect. And Johnny clash is absolutely 100% someone I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Hit me up on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chatham Up Podcast and tell me what you thought about my conversation with the Clash Man. While you're at it, make sure you're subscribed to Chatham Up on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A review and a five-star rating goes a long way for us, so if you're so inclined, consider helping a brother out. That's going to do it for us this week on Chatham Up. Thanks again for all of your support. Remember, please wear a mask, wash your hands, be kind to one another, and Jesus loves you. We'll chat again next week.